Welcome to The Home Era. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to The Home Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. On today's episode, we're chatting about our neighborhoods. What are our neighbors like? How much do we interact with our neighbors? And what does it mean to be a good neighbor anyway? Plus, neighborhood shaming, caring for the elderly, stealing from alleys, and why one Molotov cocktail forever changed our opinion of drinks with the neighbors. All that and more on today's episode. Welcome home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. And welcome home, neighbors. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be mine? Won't you be mine? Finish it off, Kirsten. Won't you be my neighbor? Never. All right. On today's episode of the Home Hour, we are talking about... Wait, is that about... trademarked? Are we allowed to sing on a podcast? I yeah, I think can't... Mr. Rogers is dead, punk. Um, so <laughs> we're good to go. PBS also, is coming after you. They're coming after us. Um, <laughs> they've, they've got their own fish to fry. Okay. So today we are talking about something totally Home Hour-ish, something very germane to what we do every day, and that's being a neighbor. And the truth is, is whether you live in a house, an apartment, a condo, unless you live out in the desert completely by yourself for the most part, which I think we actually have a few listeners in that situation. But other than that, we're all neighbors. And there's a lot that goes into being a good neighbor. So today, Kirsten and I are going to set the scene for you, like where we are, what our streets look like, what do we expect, what do we like to see, what goes on on our streets, the neighbors. Like we're going to talk all about being the perfect neighbor, being the worst neighbor, talking about neighborhood dynamics. So I think you're going to pick up a lot of nuggets on this one. But I think the first thing we should do is, Kirsten, I would like you to set the scene for the street in which you live. What is it like? Describe your neighborhood. Set the scene. Okay. So the scene. Um, I live in like a neighborhood. <laughs> it's a pretty traditional neighborhood. Houses. Yeah, no, that's great. That's what we're getting at. On that, okay, yeah, mine's mine's pretty, you know, um, pretty traditional neighborhood. It's my neighborhood has a lot of young families, and sort of like every neighborhood kind of has their personality. Like some are hip, or some are more like kind of downtown walkable. Our neighborhood is like the front porch living. Fire pits are a big thing in our neighborhood, like these pretty outdoor fireplaces or outdoor like grill setups, because people really live in their front yard and. Our neighborhood is like lots of kids on bikes, tons of schools, a couple of places you can walk to, like some restaurants um, nearby and a lot of parks and stuff. It's just a very like family, bikey, outside, running. Okay, flat, obviously. Yeah. Well, there is, there's a really good hill though on my street. One big, well, it's not, okay, there's a mountain, Kaleback Mountain. (laughs) I guess it's not a hill. But yeah, there's a big mountain on our street so we can uh, walk up it, but I live on the edge of a, of a kind of busier street. I'm on the corner. And mm-hmm. so I have neighbors just on one side of me. But this might not be what you're looking for. And this might be a whole nother big thing. But my neighbor, I have the world's best neighbor to my left. And that is something I never would have thought of as being a great neighbor. But we have a church next to us. Oh, best neighbors ever. Best neighbors ever. ever. I no love joke. Buy next to a church or a temple or a religious 
place of worship. It is only served dividends. We once were, we actually live next to a church in DC and it was the greatest thing known to man. Okay. So yes, my next door neighbor is a church. It's amazing. My daughter goes to preschool there. I leave my house at like 1158 to get her at noon. And, you know, if somebody's sick, I'm like, I'll be right over summer camp over there. I mean, amazing. Once I've, uh, I, well, this is a longer story, but I once, <laughs> this is when I was in the thick of it. Uh, I signed my kids up for summer camp over at the church across the street and I get home, drop them off, come home, put the baby to bed, get a call. They're like, um, you actually didn't register your kids for this week. You can't just drop them off. You got to come pick them up. But I was able to leave the baby sleeping because my monitor, I could see it. I was that close, which is amazing. So preschool, location, location, location. And that it's part technically of like you live next to a community center. It basically is. Like they have they have piano lessons. My boys take piano lessons across the street. There's a, there's basketball practice. There's this church is really fun. They do street fairs. I mean, it's a it's a darling church and they are super community. Community-ish. So okay. that's my next door neighbor is this All great right. church that's also a preschool and a music so school. We have a good sense. You live in a very young family, streety, street neighborhood, houses, whatever. I'll set the scene for mine because I'm really just talking about my street, I think, because I have like the I have a great street for just the purposes and illustrations of this story. Like okay. we've got about 15 houses, I'd say, you know, mostly single family homes. Um, we have two houses on the street that are currently being rented. Um, we have a spooky house. We have like <laughs> the bad guy house, <laughs> you know, like we've got a house of some shady people. Um, we've got some great families on, you know, you know how like when you see on a television show or a sitcom, like everyone's, you know, we've got elderly neighbors, you know, that kind of were the first people to start our street. We've got new young families. Like we, we have middle-aged families with teenagers. I mean, like literally we are a snapshot of a street. So I think I can touch upon it. But so now we have a good sense of where we are as far as like what we're dealing with. Okay, well, one thing we should point out, though, your your lots are big and they're spread apart. Mm -hmm. And you also have to go up a hill to get to your house, whereas mine is flat and we're pretty close together. So like our neighbors, we, we, we continue to like kick the ball over the fence and have to go to our next door neighbor's house. Like we have that a lot more than you do. Whereas I feel like you guys are a little bit more almost like mm -hmm. of a country house feeling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and that, that's the only thing that's a little bit different is our street has like kind of a, you know, the hillside and the, and we call it like the high side and the low side. Um, and so we, you know, the houses on our side of the street, yeah, you have to walk up the hill, which is not great because like people don't want to walk up to our house. Um, the low side is kind of where the party is because um, everyone kind of those are the houses that are closer together. And you can um, you can kind of like I feel like they're more social and there's a lot more fun down on the low side. But we find ways, you know, up here, our houses are kind of like connected. Everyone kind of has a path or something that they've kind of made to the next door neighbor's house. But um, but I yeah, it's funny you, when you asked if it was flat at my house because. Yeah, yeah no your matters. hill is like a big deal at your house. Like my hill's obnoxious. Yeah, like nobody wants to walk up our hill. It's yeah. Not. If you haven't been to Birmingham, it's very very hilly. Whereas yeah, like we're so flat except for the mountain. It's a steep climb up our driveway. But that is neither here nor there. But what I want to know for you is when you first moved into your house, Kirsten. Like, what did you expect when you moved? What did you? Or how about this? Before you tell me what you expected, tell me what you did as a neighbor. Like boots on the ground, you're a new neighbor, because I know you moved into your house. You moved in, I think Hugh and 
Well, your two children, I should say. You had two out of three children? When you I had three, yeah, but I, had, I bought my house four days after I, I gave birth. Wow, that's intense. It's crazy. But what? But, okay, so you know what? what but here's the do? thing: I don't think, as far as my like initial introduction to my neighbors, I don't think I'm a good case study because, or maybe a lot of people are in this situation. But I was one of those people who did not just move into our house. Like our house was clearly sold as is, meant to be remodeled. So we did mm-hmm. not move right into our house. Like our house, we we greeted our neighbors with a ton of construction and a moving a storage pod and a dumpster. So we mm-hmm. went straight into construction. Okay. So we so didn't get to like do the thing where like we, you know, like it's a, a you few, on doors. you know, sweeps of the broom and then you come in and you start setting up shop. Like we were tearing down walls and, I and, would, it, okay. and our construction took a long time and it was a slow move in. So we didn't, our, we have great neighbors and we have great relationships with our neighbors, but it didn't start like the traditional way, I would say. Oh, and see, I had just moved to a new city, didn't really know anyone. I was like ready to do door knock dinners. I mean, I right. was canvassing my street, walking up and down, like waving. <laughs> but do but do you expect do you expect the mover inner to bring dinners and like introduce themselves to the pie? Not that anyone's baking I pies, can, but I kind of ex- I kind of like do a hybrid. So basically, what I do is I go. You just want to know what I do. I and I think that I had the perfect. Um, move in here. I I go to my the neighbors on either side of me, and then I go to the neighbors across the street and kind of like introduce myself. So I actually go over and I'll bring something like some bread or a bottle of wine or something. And I went and I remember actually neighbor to my right side. She was um, unfortunately on her deathbed and she died a few. I think I want to say almost like a week after we moved in. Um, but she was just a class act. Like only got to know her for a few days, and I think. While she was, I mean, she was really close to um, her final days. I think the day we moved in, we got a huge basket delivered of like a hot baguette. It was literally a hot baguette and cheese and a bottle of wine. And it was like a picnic to sit and eat in our empty home. From your neighbor on her deathbed? Literally. I mean, that's how classy she was. It was completely lovely. Welcome to the South, everyone. I know. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was a humongous basket. I think there was a wow. salami in there. Um, wow. And her game our, is high. Oh, they, they step it up here. And then our across the street neighbor, who's one of my very good friends and a good podcast listener, wrote me this beautiful like note and, um, you know, kind of left all this, you know, fun food in my mailbox and just like this long three page handwritten note. And we've, you know, become good friends ever since. Um, what did so the note pe- say? Oh, it was just like, welcome. You know, we've been hoping, you know, a sweet family would move in. I kind of think I see you have some kids. Like, hey, I've got some kids. Please come over. You know, as soon as you settle in, we want to have you over for dinner. I mean, it was it was the red carpet of move-in letters. Wow. And it, and it came to fruition. I mean, they had us over for dinner. And, you know, they brought bottles of champagne up. I mean, I just think, I think like you got to start off on the, the right foot when you have new neighbors move in. Well, I'm actually glad we're having this conversation because the house directly across the street from us has been uh-huh. for sale for like two years. Uh-huh. And for the last two weeks, it's had a pending sign. And now the signs are all gone. The for sale, the pending, all of it. Oh, that's huge. I would have been stalking that. I would have already known the family. Oh, Comcast was, was there in. the other day and I was like, you know, poking around. Yeah, you've got to hit. That I don't know. Part. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, but that's now you've no got deal. me all inspired about yeah, this reading. Yeah, I love a new. I mean, I love a new neighbor. Um, and you, you know, you get to see like because I mean, I think that it's really important. Okay, well, help me, Graham, since you're so big on the welcoming and with your your southern charm and hospitality. What what do I do? So well, I mean, I think me definitely because I've been thinking about handwritten this. note 
and definite like bottle of champagne, bottle of wine and or like a dinner. That's usually what I do, like some sort of, you know, casserole or some sort of like breakfast bread that they can eat. Because think about it, they're unpacking. Um, And then also, here's the deal. The other part of being a good neighbor is that there's a lot of hassles with living on a street, right? Like people who don't mow their lawn or people who leave their garbage sitting out for too long or, you know, just are just not the way you want them to be. Right. And the point is, is like you might as well just start really good from the gate. Right. And have a good relationship such that when it hits the fan, you have you've already kind of paved the way. Okay. You know, like why have your first interaction with your neighbors being something along like, hey, can you not keep your bicycles out all day long? You know, like can you you know, that kind of thing. No, right, right, right. For sure. Starting off with the right foot. Absolutely. Like I I was just I was just asking for very specific. I don't have the, the bandwidth to think of something creative and. Oh, I think a houseplant, a houseplant's a great thing to bring. A houseplant, that's a great idea. Yeah, Yeah. we do stuff like that. I mean, so I'm always bringing stuff to new neighbors. Although, to be honest, we have one family that's moved in on our street recently, and I've done nothing for them. But they're older, and they keep to themselves. Okay, well, I do love the idea, though, of, like, bringing food as opposed to, like, having them over right away, because that's just too much stress, like, to get ready and get your kids Oh, yeah, just drop something off. Just say, you know, in about a month or so, we're going to invite you over to get to know you. And then also, when I moved in, all the girls on our street got together. I mean, I think there was just a lot of, like, curiosity, maybe, of who are these people coming in and you know we have like a big street email text list and we know everybody's contact information and um and i think that's good we kind of have one person who's the custodian and the keeper okay wait that way wait you're getting ahead of yourself because i want to i want to know about that how did that start who did put together this email text list just one of one of our neighbors like people here are really involved and so she basically put oh this is actually this is a really nice thing to do in every single person's mailbox and it's very easy to do she just said you know we're updating our street directory put your name your spouse's name your children's names your pet's names um i forget what else was on there i think you know maybe i'm trying to think what else i think it was you know children cell phones, I mean, that kind of thing. And they put out a directory. Okay, because we had a neighbor do that too. And it was one of um, our older neighbors who's been there, you know, 30 years. And, um, but yeah, I love that someone took the initiative to do that. Although the one hard thing is some neighborhoods really lend themselves very clearly to be like, this is our neighborhood boundary. Like it's a gated community or Mm -hmm. it has a name or it has like an entryway. And it, we're definitely in a neighborhood where one neighborhood just blends into the next neighborhood. It's not like there's defined lines, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is also, that's the one, that's the only thing is you never, you're always like, oh, I know there's a great family who lives one more block. Oh yeah. And you want to include them. We do that too. So again, our, we have parties on our streets. Um, so we'll have, um, you know, we'll do a Halloween event and we'll do kind of an Easter event. And we have people, you know, that we'll invite from different streets. And it, that that's where it does get a little bit obnoxious because it's kind of like pick or choose. You just kind of choose who you want to throw in there. And usually if you're hosting, you can just kind of add your own people in there. So did you start any of these fun neighborhood traditions or were they were they there when you got there? Like as far as the Easter egg hunt and the Halloween party, was were those already pre-established? 
I think the Halloween party had been going on for a while. And then for a while, we had a street newspaper. I mean, really. And we're not, and unfortunately, I have to say this, we haven't done much lately. And I kind of miss the people on our street. So this is what got me thinking about the show about being a good neighbor, because we were on a roll. Like we, you know, we'd have, right now, we're kind of more on the lines of like, hey, is everyone's internet out? You know, because we have a lot of big spring storms here. And that's kind of a big thing. Or like, hey, there were police cars on the street last night. Why was that? Does anyone know? You know, and we'll kind of share information that way. Which has, been, which has been very useful. But I wish we would get back to just like, hey, it's a beautiful night out. Why doesn't everyone wander outside and have a margarita? Okay, so I've got some questions about this because I feel like society's changed a little bit from the neighborhood I grew up in where it was more, a little bit more like that. Most of the kids on our street went to the neighborhood public school. And so that's one reason is we all really knew each other from school. There were, as, as kids got older, some kids started going to private school or parochial school, but initially we all went to elementary school together. Mm-hmm. How, and in our neighborhood, that's not the case. There's a lot of different schools because we've got charter schools, a lot of, there's a couple of great private schools right in our neighborhood. So, um, not mm-hmm. everybody goes to the neighborhood school in our house, in our neighborhood. How about you? Well, I'll tell you, no, everyone does pretty much for the most part go to the same school because we're just, you know, everyone, the public school is good and the kids go there and people live here for the public schools, among other things. However, I think things have changed from when we were growing up if people don't play after school. Um, you know, people don't ride their bicycles up and down the streets. People don't really run between houses. There's a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. but I think I've noticed the kids are so hyper scheduled that even a few years ago when the kids were younger and we didn't have as much after school activities, we would still kind of maybe wander our street, but I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I walked up and down my street. Mm. Is that, that's kind of sad. That's not fun. I, I we, need to get we walk them down our street and especially since we've gotten a dog, we definitely like going more walks and you see neighbors through that dogs. I feel like are one of the secret ways to meet neighbors. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's not, you're, you're definitely right about the scheduling, like having lessons after school and going to practices and stuff. It's not as organic with just like the kids out playing, but, um, but can I tell you what helped me meet so many of my neighbors were when my boys did Boy Scouts because Boy Scouts was based on where you lived, not on what school you went to. And it's all the little schools get together. And uh-huh. there were so many little boys their age in our neighborhood, but we didn't know them because they all went to different schools. And oh, that's wild. Once the boys, and it was, I'm saying Boy Scouts, it was Cub Scouts. But once they did Cub Scouts, we met so many neighbors. So, oh. um, so even though the sports and the activities kind of do like take away from that organic, just go ride your bike and find who you can find. Um, mm-hmm. They also can kind of maybe bridge the gap if they're in our school like that too. And then, you know, you figure out what days so-and-so is baseball, what day so-and-so is football, and that, that like, lets... And I'm talking, I guess, about my kids finding neighbors, but my kids finding neighbors is, like, half the battle, because then you meet the parents, and then that's great. And even if you don't meet the parents, having your kids have have friends they can go play with, and you don't have to call three days ahead and schedule a play date. Oh, oh that is wonderful. the best. It's the yeah. best. Oh, totally. Okay, so my next question, do you have kind of a shady house on your street, like, one you kind of stay away from? Shady house on the street... Like you know, so we don't necessarily have like the shady house on the street, but what uh-huh. we do have is lots of people who only come for the winter. Oh, you've and got, okay. We call them halfbackers kind of. Um, What's like a halfbacker? They, 
they're not really here. It's more of a North Carolina thing, but it's the concept of like you're from the Northeast and you and you have a house in Florida, but you like can't make it all the way back to the North, so you go halfway back. <laughs> you're a halfbagger. <laughs> got it. Got it. They're called snowbirds here. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got like people who just they're only here for a couple months of the year, so. Those aren't the shady houses, really, but it's like, does someone live there? Anyway, but yeah, so there are those houses. People are like, what's the deal with that house? Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, I'm just trying to think about my house growing up on my street because it was very, very similar to, you know, even the street I'm describing right now. And like, there are two houses to this day that I've never seen the homeowners. Like, I don't know what goes on inside. You know, like the house is always dark, never open up for trick or treating. Like, what is going on? Like, are they making meth all day? I don't even know. Let's hope not. Do you have a spooky house? That's what you just asked me. No, I said you have a shady house. A shady I mean, house. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. You have a shady category and a spooky category? Yeah, I def- those are two different categories. <laughs> yeah, in my mind. I just have the mysterious category. Yeah, we have a spooky house. You know, it's like a house that's actually spooky. Like that would be where a ghost or a witch would live. <laughs> Right. That's different to me from a shady house in a shady house. Like there's action and there's life. It's just like, oh, yeah, like maybe cross to the other side. They're a little bit shady. But the spooky house is one that you like actively taunt. Like you might throw a small stone at the window. No, we've got some really spooky houses that are that are too. Honestly, they're too spooky to mention on the air. (laughs) Can't tell you any details. All right. Do you have elderly people on your street and do you help care for them? I think that's one of the. I think what that's one of the highest tenets of being a good neighbor. Oh, I love that. Um, is like I did. I think that's like I was always taught that from a young age. Is like find who's old and make sure that like they can get their mail, and that when it's snowing, like who's who you know shovels their driveway type thing. Which I guess you don't really have to. Yeah. <laughs> but or how about this? When all the citrus fruit falls off their tree into their yard, who picks it up for them? <laughs> If you really want to know the answer to that, there's companies that come and do that. And they donate it to food banks. So the oranges are, are safe. Don't worry. Um, I don't think we do. You don't have someone you check in on? No. These are See, I don't think you're a very good neighbor. <laughs> I'm glad I live far away from you. I wouldn't want to be your neighbor. I care for that. Every now and then, if it's cold, you like make up a little bit of extra chili and bring it to your you know, elderly It's never neighbor. cold. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think old people want to live in my neighborhood. Yeah, that's probably true. You do live in a very trendy young neighborhood. But we have, you know, we have some elderly people on the street. And I just think it's like you got to check in on them every now and then. You got to call them up on the phone and see what they're up to. Oh, you're such a good neighbor. Okay. Keeping up with the Joneses. Do you have any Joneses on your street? Like, let's talk about that street envy. Oh, I've well, I've envy about the neighbor across the street whose flowers are beautiful, but I don't, I don't try to keep up with her. I just walk by and I just think, wow, you're a better person than I am. I do feel motivated by people who, you know, do nice things. I mean, I, I do think there's a little bit of that, like when people are renovating and keeping things up. I think we live in a very shame-oriented society here, <laughs> which is terrible to say. No, but I mean, I mean this in like with the highest compliments to where we live because we are not regulated. There are no, there are very, very few regulations here. You can cut down your trees. You can park your car on the street. I mean, none of that would have flown in Long Island and you can do all of it here. And yet it doesn't really happen. People self-regulate. 
That's and interesting. Not as, and when you say keeping up with the Jones, is it like I've got to keep up because my neighbors are so fancy? Like that's bad. You don't want to do that. You don't want to compare yourself and you don't want to spend more than you have to try to no, make but your people keep but, their homes looking nice. Right, like, right. Like people keep a nice fresh coat of paint on their house. Like if a shutter is broken, they fix they it. They fix um, it. Right. That's like just kind of being a good neighbor and like keeping your house, you know, from being from being the spooky house. Um, yes, yeah, so we got to keep up keep up with our houses. That's that's true. Although, yeah, but I don't think some... a lot of people do necessarily do that. I mean, we have people who kind of don't do that, um, you know, and I and I try to the extent where I say to myself, well, it might be a little less expensive if like I skipped the mulch and the pine straw this year. But I don't do that because, you know, 90 percent of my street is putting out their mulch and their pine straw. Yeah, you've got your your neighbors have really pretty yards. They really do. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. So you can't let yours go. Or, you know, the fact that, <laughs> that my grass is covered with, you know, crabgrass or whatever. There's more services than I ever realized. Like you you have to actually work to keep your lawn looking lawny. I did not know that. That's like a new thing to homeownership for me. Oh, tell the me grass about it. just doesn't stay. Grass doesn't stay grassy. I know. I this is why I want to rip out all my grass and put in fake grass. I'm so over grass. I know. You just have to astroturf it. Oh, I'm so, it's tempting. It's I'm holding tempting. out for now. I'm applying my own pre-emergent, just hoping that like I can just keep, you know, pushing my little cart across my lawn. <laughs> but Okay. Really this seems like a good place to take a little quick break and tell everyone about our sponsor. Fake grass. Just kidding. We have a real sponsor. <laughs> Although, fake, if any fake grass companies want to sponsor me, we could work a little something out. <laughs> no, our real sponsor today is Peacock Alley. And if you have not heard of Peacock Alley yet, if you've not tried their products, you are missing out and your sleep is not what it could be. Um, Peacock Alley does luxurious bedding, bath basics, and fine linens. And we say fine linens, we're talking really lovely linens. Yeah, well, it's like when you do, go, whenever you go to a nice hotel and you walk in and you think, ooh, like I just want to take this bed and bring it home with me, that's Peacock Alley. <laughs> it's like the bed um, yeah. that I don't, that I am aspiring to have, but I'm starting to assemble because of Peacock Alley. So I know. it's been Did very exciting. Come? Yeah, my sheets came, we've been sleeping on them. I actually asked um, Harrison, I said, okay, I need to know, like, let me know. And you know what he said? He said, these are like sleeping on butter. <laughs> great i got did he suddenly develop a new york accent suddenly? he did yeah well he he breaks it out he feels like he's allowed to break out a new york accent but i got the sateen king size sleep set um just in white and they're beautiful and they're creamy and um i really have to say i mean that's some high quality linens yeah this is this is not like the eh, just get some back you know backups like these are your sheets these are your investment sheets these are the sheets that are going to be on your bed and giving you a good night's sleep which is like so important i mean sleep is the new thing um and they get softer with every wash um they're just is. like really they're just yeah they, it's, it's um, luxury bedding um at a yeah. relatively affordable price point um they do monogramming and the other thing if you're not familiar about peacock alley which i think is really cool because I can appreciate a beautiful bed, but I never really know like how to make one, you know, because like, it actually you can tell when you walk in like, oh, this is a kind of curated bed versus like someone who just puts sheets on a bed. If you go to their website, it's really fun. They tell you what the difference between sateen and percal is, if you don't know, because there are two different types of sheets and they sleep differently. Um, and I can't have, remember. I can never remember. And, and I loved having the website to be like, oh, yeah, no, that's the one I like. One gives you that like crisp, cool feeling when you slip into it at night. And the other one kind of wraps you up in a little more warmth. So basically, depending on where you are climate wise, you either want to have percal or sateen sheets. 
And do it's not really ask cool. me to tell you which one is which because I'll forget. But the good news is go on their website <laughs> and they will explain it to you. So if you're sitting there and you've got it in your cart and you're like, oh, I forget which one do I want? Um, there you go. And this company is based in Dallas. Most of their products are still made by artisans in their Dallas, Texas workroom. It was started. Do you know it was founded by a single mom who's still super involved in the business 45 years ago? I mean, incredible. I love that. that that's I love it, too. But anyhow, um, if you guys want to check out Peacock Alley, it's more than just sheets. It's beautiful um, bathrobes and towels and um, shower curtains. And we have actually put together a little collection of some of our favorites. So they that made us fun. our own special website, PeacockAlley.com slash the home hour again that's peacockalley.com slash the home hour um, so you can see some of the things that Graham and I have chosen as our favorites and when you use the code the home hour at checkout you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase so once again peacockalley.com slash the home hour to see our special curated collection and then use our code to save 10 percent please check them out and um, we hope you enjoy them as much as we do yeah thank you so much peacock alley Speaking of Peacock Alley, we have something kind of kooky in our neighborhood that is like just a crazy little thing that may, maybe not everybody has, or maybe everyone has them. And this is, but this is new to me. This is the first neighborhood I've had where um, where we've had these. We have alleys. Do you have alleys? No, but there are some alleys around here. But alleys are cool. That's where you can find all the stuff people throw out, and you can take it and put it in your own house. So alleys are interesting and alleys bring a different dynamic into neighborliness because some alleys are abandoned. Mm -hmm. And when they're abandoned, you can go ahead and like you can claim the alley you and your neighbors can split the alley. But a lot of times people, you know, a lot of times if somebody's remodeling their house, they'll do it. They'll claim the alley. But hmm. but if what does that mean claim the alley, you can you can like if the alley is not being used by the trash mm -hmm. by the uh, trash um, trucks, then you can claim it. You can go and ask the city, like, does anyone else want the alley? And if the neighbors are like, nah, you can have the alley, then you can like tear down the wall and take that extra six feet and add it to your yard. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it's, I mean, it's amazing. But at the same time, like you have to tear down the wall and you have to build a new wall and you have to landscape it. So it's, it's, it's if you need that six feet or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's about six feet. Then that's good. But so that's one factor about the alleys. But other people have like the real working alleys where they have those giant trash cans out there and you and your neighbors share trash cans. Ooh, that's dicey. It's totally dicey. And we had, so we've lived in this neighborhood in two different houses, the same one, but we were in a rental house for a while while we were doing some construction. And like the other house had those, those giant trash cans in a shared alley. And like people leave the alley disgusting. People, like, if the trash is all full, they'll just over, let it overthrow, and it, it gets mm -hmm. so disgusting back there. So it became, like, a source of not liking your neighbor. Yeah. No, so that I mean, was hard. Anytime you're community sharing things, that's interesting. Yeah. I just got busted the other day because I threw out this giant 18-foot trampoline. Remember I told you about the claw? I think we mentioned this on a previous episode. Oh, yes, anyway. and I've thought about it so many times because I've got so much I have to get rid of, and I wish we had the claw. Yeah, the claw, actually, I apologize to anyone listening. It has a formal name. I didn't realize it was formally called a knuckle boom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this... <laughs> I thought the claw was the best name ever. Knuckle boom? 
It's the the formal term is called the knuckle boom because I got the the town newspaper the other day and it said here are the rules for the knuckle boom and I was like oh, oh my gosh can you please find us a copy of that newspaper article because I need to learn more about the knuckle boom indeed I can since I help edit the newspaper um, yes <laughs> but the point being is that when the knuckle boom came around and got rid of my trampoline it like dug up a patch of dirt that is sitting on my neighbor's yard and like. And I love her. And I could say she definitely does not listen to this show. But like we've had the most awkward back and forth over it because she's so polite and sweet, but she won't exactly say what she wants. So she keeps blaming it on her gardener. Um, and she's like, my gardener just really wants the yard to look really nice. Um, so I think he's going to take care of it. Right. But I've gotten six phone calls basically saying that, like, it's going to be taken care of, but it isn't. But the gardener's upset about it. But in reality, it's not the gardener. Like, I just need to take care of it. <laughs> so, OK, gotta- I'm so sorry, Graham. I really was not even listening to your story because I was Googling knuckle boom. Yes, so right. a knuckle boom crane appears similar to a standard crane. Except the boom articulates in the knuckle near the middle, letting it fold back like a finger. So you were pretty close with the claw. You really (laughs) described this thing accurately. Allowing it to scoop up any manner of trash one should feel they need to dispose of. I mean... Honestly, I might ask Santa Claus for a knuckle boom. Well, no, you don't want to because there's actually one for sale and it's used and it's $55,000. So, yeah, it's not like a stocking stuffer. Knuckle boom cranes have become very common on offshore vessels. This is amazing. Yeah, Yeah. well, less of the deck space is blocked by the crane. You know, like when you're on a vessel and your deck space is all taken up by your crane... So that's the knuckle boom. Yeah. But so I want to. I want to. Who talk says this show doesn't provide you real useful information or relevant? I want to talk about how often you socialize with your neighbors. How often do you see them? Because mm. I've been thinking since we started planning for this episode that I miss. I miss seeing our neighbors. Like, do you feel like you have a special kind of mental bond, even if you don't see them? That this group of people chose to colonize this exact street <laughs> in this exact city. Like, do you ever? Okay, this is gonna this is gonna make you sound crazy. We didn't go but, like to the moon and start a new civilization. There was a house for sale in a family friendly neighborhood. Oh no no no! Sometimes if I go somewhere really random and I'm prone to do something like that, like I'll go to visit like a presidential library in a really small town that like nobody goes to or some random museum and I'll look around at the people who are at that museum with me at that same time of day and I'll just feel this amazing relationship with them because it was like somewhere out there this random person that I've never met decided it would be a really good idea to go to the shoe museum at the exact same time as me do you ever feel that no never Well, that's what makes me feel like comradeship with my neighbors, because I'm like, of all the gin joints in all the world, like you chose this street to move in. And I chose this street as well. That's there's really interesting. There's definitely a linking factor there. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have that. Okay. That's sweet. I think that's that's nice. But I don't, I don't. You don't think it's interesting whenever you're out somewhere and it's somewhere really no. random? And that person is there, like, at the same time as you. Like, you you wanted the same Chipotle, and you were in this. No, I don't feel that way. I just feel, like, I don't feel. <laughs> I think it more, I don't think of it in the random day-to-day things. I think of it more when I'm somewhere strange. Like, when I'm in the fireworks store. That leads me to the fireworks <laughs> store. <laughs> 
What are you at the fireworks store? Oh my god! A gosh. lot. So this is another thing I put in my neighboring thing. So I have a massive love of fireworks, like gigantic, obnoxious fireworks. This is my example of being a bad neighbor, where I've had to learn to be a good neighbor. Can I ask a random question? Do you live um, where you can see fireworks for holidays? Barely. I mean, it's a stretch, but you kind of can a little oh, bit, but it's okay. not an amazing view. Because I would say we have a club, like a country club, like half a mile from our house and they do fireworks. And then the other half mile, there's a resort. And uh, yeah, both of them do fireworks. So you have so good fireworks. We have good yeah. fireworks. So like to start to, it just doesn't seem efficient to do your own fireworks. But again, it's like 4th of July and New Year's Eve. It's not, it's not like a, but it's really Mine fun. will those be are, on the random Tuesday. Yeah, no, that, that, I think, yet. I think those neighbors were polite to let you get away with that. But I think you're making the right choice. I think so too. I had to shut my operation down. <laughs> Um, but no, I don't socialize with my neighbors as much as I would. They're all, I really like all my neighbors. I don't have any complaints about any of my neighbors. They're great. But um, I don't socialize with them as much as I should. But I think part of that is almost because our neighborhood is so full of young families that we know and like that when I lived in other neighborhoods where there weren't quite as many, when it was mm -hmm. like, oh, you've got kids our kids' age, it was like instant best friends because there were so few of us, you know, between the retirees and the snowbirds um, and just older families with older children or empty nesters. It was it was so fun to have those neighbors. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like they, we all had to kind of band together. But now it's like, oh, oh yeah. I've got people that I've been friends with for years and they live three blocks away. So it's not that hard to right. see people I was already friends with. Does that make people, sense? Yeah, people have just fallen into their patterns. I think. Yeah, it's normal. like there's too many people. There's so many. You can't, you know, shake a stick without hitting a really another really great nice family that wants to ride their bikes. That it's like, oh yeah, I'll just I'll just stick with my friends, which is, you know, almost like the the bad part about living in such a fun neighborhood full of so many great people. You don't. Mm -hmm. You're not. You know. There's so many of us. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the bad part, neighborly disputes, because that's that's the real stuff. Is how do you handle how do you handle when there's a conflict? Like, have you ever had a... Um, we have not had a big conflict so far, but I think because we have really wonderful neighbors on both sides. However, um, you know, I think there have been times, I mean, I, I can definitely speak, how about this? I'll talk about my dad, because like, he's a great person to talk about. He's a very bombastic character, and he has a lot of neighborly disputes because he's very in your face. Um, and he actually had a time where, I mean, he considers himself the de facto mayor of our street. And um, we had some neighbors who were kind of trashing up their yard. This was growing up and they weren't doing a good job. They were also mobsters, real life mobsters. And so one night while my dad was sleeping, they came by and this is a terrible story. I probably shouldn't even tell it, but they threw a Molotov cocktail on the back of his car and it exploded. Um, <laughs> this is probably more than people are thinking about neighborly disputes. Let's go back, you know. <laughs> Let's just stick with a good old-fashioned normal story. Okay. I think people just need to speak up for themselves. How about that? And take your risks. <laughs> Let's see. That's, how about that? When people say, what's the worst that could happen? I would say having someone firebomb your car is probably the worst. And you know what? We live to see another day. So, and you guys still, still trick-or-treated together? <laughs> did a little Christmas caroling? We do caroling. not trick-or-treat with those people. And we do not Christmas carol. And like, FYI, if you're listening, we know who you are. Okay, I was talking more along the lines of two two different topics, right? One is when it's a neighborly thing, like like you mentioned, stop leaving your bikes in my driveway, or 
you know, you've mm-hmm. let your weeds get too high or something along those lines. That's the first type. And then the okay, second type. Okay, you want to know what I do? I'll yes, tell, you. tell me that. Yes, we'll do that first. Answer. Then we'll get to the second type. Here's Go the ahead. weak, weak answer. Another wonderful secret service of our town is like the, we let the police be the bad guys. So if I have a problem with a neighbor, like, oh, you're not mowing your lawn appropriately or, you know, you're putting too much litter out, what I do is I call the police. I give an anonymous tip and then they go by. Okay, that sounds crazy, but I actually think that's genius. It's genius. You got to have a middleman because that's the thing. You have to live with these people and one little thing causes trouble. And so typically the police will go and handle it for you. Okay, now here's the second thing. And this one's, I think that's great. I think that's great advice, you know. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to handle that. I'm trying to think if there's another another alternative to the police because that does seem a little bit dramatic, but... Well, but like sometimes they can leave a note. I mean, again, I think this is. Yeah, it's not like they come like with handcuffs and they're like, we got to go down to the station and talk about your weeds. Like it's, yeah. Right. It's more just if it's a real problem, there's usually some sort of precedent or city code. And I talked, we live in an unregulated neighborhood. But if you need to, if there's really a problem where you think it's worth contacting someone over, you can, um, you can kind of just, I back into it that way. I've done that a few times. How about that? Yeah. What about things like, um, like I had a sweet neighbor tell me that my boys were not looking both ways when they're, when they're on their like dirt bikes and their scooters. And I was so glad. And she, she was so sweet about it. She was like, I'm so, I don't want to, you know, interfere with your parenting. And I'm like, no, I'm so glad you, she was like lovely about it. Like so nervous to, to sound like she was, and I was like, no, you're not criticizing you or keeping my kids safe. Like that's what we do. We look out for each other. I would, she's like, if you see my kid being unsafe, tell me. You're bringing back a blast from the past because I remember this old lady, Mrs. Harmelin busted me for that when I was a little girl and I hated her ever since. She told my mom that I wasn't being a good bike rider and like, I have never forgiven Mrs. Harmelin. Wait, but you're not dead by a car. No, I'm not. I was just angry because I think I got in trouble. I think I wasn't allowed to ride my bike for a week. No, I think that is being good neighbor, though. I think I think she that's. Was. Don't you think? I mean, wouldn't you want if your son was out riding his bike and not looking both ways, and your neighbor saw that he was consistently doing that? Wouldn't you want? Oh, a thousand. No, no, no. I'm a thousand times over. Your neighbor's wonderful. I'm just saying from the child's perspective, you literally (laughs) just brought a blast from the past. Okay, well, for any kids listening to this show, (laughs) guess what? Our job is to keep you safe. Your job is to help us. Yeah, the neighbor was totally in the right. I was cruising through stop signs. Um, No question. The neighbor was right. But I felt like she, you know, she didn't have my back. Okay, wait. So I kind of, so and that's going to get, that's kind of like with teenage drivers, like with all those things, that's going to be the same deal. And like, yeah, keep it coming. Keep it coming. Obviously, there's a way to do it and a rude way to do it but like I think that stuff is just like there's always eyes like you want your kids to feel like there's a secret there service. are always eyes I yes. think that's really really important okay yeah, we so did. I we said a teenager I said two things but I guess it's actually three so the first would be like the weeds and the and the bikes or whatever the second thing is like safety with your kids and then the third thing is this is a very weird thing but like with Facebook and with Instagram, with all these other things, I guess probably more Facebook, but um, even like political signs in the front yard. <gasps> yes, that's interesting. Is we have that a lot interesting? of those, believe it or not. We have a lot of that. And, and, you know, and I think obviously, like, I don't know, it's very weird because I don't remember, again, I kind of think this goes back to like our crazy heated political climate where like people just you know, I don't know, just can't seem to like look beyond like political differences and just be like, okay, well, you think differently than me and you're still a great person, you know, but, uh, but I think that can get really crazy. 
Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. But I mean, but the thing is, is that I think, so I can speak to that in two respects. One, we never had those on Long Island. They're not allowed. Um, which I kind of, what are political signs? Just those little like signs that people put up in their yard. You're not allowed to have those. I don't know how those fly here, but they do. Um, and so that would be considered like, cause they're very distracting cause people have these like lovely, lovely homes, but they have these like little signs up in their front yard. But I understand cause there's things you're proud of or you want to support, or it's a nice way to get out a message. You know, usually they're for something that they're going to like an event or something going on. So I, I completely get it. I just, it's, it's kind of strange to me. Wait, an event um, or like a candidate or vote well, yes they have, on they're, top, they're, blah, blah, blah. Those things are so common. They're just the yard signs that people put out. And every now and then, I'm not saying we're we're not, um, you know, we, we'll do it too every, every now and then. Like, for example, if we're going to, if the library is doing a 5K, you know, and I'm helping plan the 5K for the library, I'll have one of those little signs out in my yard that says, you know, library 5K, you know, this day kind of showing like, oh, these are the people in the neighborhood. Cause you know, people generally know where people live. You know, this, these are the people, obviously it's going to be a fun event. Like maybe I should go to it. So I get it. And then we have it for, you know, kids who are in school. Like if your child makes the football team. Wait, but that's a totally different thing. Those, that's like almost like community announcements versus yeah, like, but they're everywhere. Okay. Yeah, that is true. Your, your neighborhood is like kind Some of like, put you, you put like your agenda yard. for the month, like on, on your front lawn. I've never seen so many in my life. I just, I mean, I, do, I just kind of can't get my head around it. Um, but, however, yeah, the political signs. I mean, I think pe- nobody's going to mess with them here. Yeah, it got kind of weird. It got kind of bad at during our election season. Oh, it always gets bad during election season. Election season, everything gets bad during election season. So <laughs> true, true. That's a free pass. Like Facebook, get, everything gets bad. I, mean, I guess I would, I would say to wrap up that part of the that the conversation, maybe even the whole conversation, is just. You know, of all the relationships, it's almost like a neighbor's almost like family. So you've got to have a lot of grace and you've got to have a lot of just over the top politeness, a lot of understanding because Mm -hmm. they're there to stay. Unless you can run them out. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome home. (laughs) Welcome home. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everyone. And um, and yeah, I guess that's it. Welcome home. No, Kirsten, actually, that's not it. We have another tips from friends, and this one's coming to us from Shelly Webb all the way out in Menlo Park, California. And Shelly is about to share with us some of her best tips for setting up an easy weeknight meal. She works all day, comes home, and wants to cook something healthy and delicious, but also something that's quick and readily available. So let's hear it from Shelly. Oh, that's right. Thanks, Shelly, for tips from friends. And as usual, if you've got a tips from friends, please email us and we will tell you how we can get you on your tip on the show. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and enjoy the tips from friends. Hi, Kirsten and Graham. This is Shelly from Menlo Park, California, and I'm calling with a tip about a great, quick, healthy and delicious weeknight meal that I've come to love. It's a recipe for a tomato soup. It tastes so much better than a, a, a pre-made can of tomato soup, and it requires minimal effort and can be made with things that you've got probably already stocked in your kitchen. Let me tell you a little bit about the recipe. I first looked it up and found it as one of Giada De Laurentiis' great recipes, and I've made a few tweaks to just suit some things that I like to do, but her recipe is a fabulous one. What I love about it is two things. One, as I mentioned, it's made with things that I always have in my house, so it's a perfect thing 
to come home and, and put together in less than 30 minutes and have on the table after a busy day at work. And two, I love that it uses cannellini beans instead of cream. So it gives you that nice creamy texture, but it's even healthier and it gives you protein. So it makes it kind of the star of the meal and you don't need to have another protein with it. Let me quickly tell you how I make it. So the, the core ingredients, fresh ingredients are an onion, carrot, two carrots, and a clove or two of garlic. You're gonna chop these all up and saute them lightly in some olive oil. Uh, one tip for carrots is that rather than starting with whole carrots and peeling and chopping, if you need to go even quicker, just grab a big handful of baby carrots out of your refrigerator, chop them once, and put them in the olive oil to saute. You're gonna blend the soup at the end anyway, so it doesn't need to be the most perfect chop. Once you've got those sauteing and they're light, they're beginning to soften, add in a can of cannellini beans and two cans of diced tomatoes or a can of crushed tomatoes. Uh, add vegetable broth or chicken stock, whichever you prefer, just to cover them, uh, to cover the vegetables and add in whatever seasonings you like. I really enjoy adding a bay leaf and basil and oregano, some salt and some red pepper flakes. Um, but add anything that you like, bring it to a boil, let it simmer for 20 minutes. And when it's finished cooking, I just grab an immersion blender and that way it keeps it all in one pot and blend it up and it's ready to serve. You can choose to put toppings on it. Um, Giada has a great recipe for a little lemon creme fraiche that would be lovely. Um, but if you're in more of a hurry on a weeknight, you can always just chop up some fresh basil. Um, I recently, we were growing some nasturtium flowers in our garden, and so I made a fancy, uh, fancy looking bowl of soup with some fresh nasturtium petals on top. So anything that you like at all. I hope that you try this out and I hope that you love it and use it as much as I do. Bye.